is Cheers to Your Pivot, a podcast to help you challenge old visions and lead your way. My name is Dr. Taryn, and I'm a leadership coach. I spent two decades climbing the conventional career ladder, only to realize it was not what I wanted. So I decided to pivot and start my own business. And I did so with a strategy in hand. My business launched to six figures in less than 90 days. Most importantly, I lead my way. Listen, conditioning kills calling. So let's get started and cheers to your pivot. Hey, welcome back. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Taryn, your leadership coach for aspiring new and transitioning leaders. Our topic this week is all about your team's limiting beliefs. So I have a question for you. What do you do when you think you have a clear vision, but you notice your teams have limiting beliefs? Yes, it is something that leaders who are really challenging the status quo and leading their way often experience because they aren't trying to do what has always been done. They're trying to be creative and innovative. And so they see their team's limiting beliefs first. And so today I'm sharing the nitty gritty nine root causes to your team's limiting beliefs. So get your notebooks, Get your pen because this is one that you will want to capture and share in tomorrow's team meeting. All right. So I really understand being in this position. Like you, I'm a roll up your sleeves kind of leader. I consider myself a goal getter just like you do. I often work really hard at communicating my vision just like you. And I acknowledge that the work will be hard. So I get it. And by the end of this episode, not only will you know what these limiting beliefs are, but also you'll be in a great position to begin removing them with your team and developing a greater sense of purpose in your communities. So you realize that your team has significant limiting beliefs and that scares you. You start to wonder, is this the team that can take this community to the next level? Do I have the right people on the bus? Can I even start to do the work right now if I don't have the right people on the team? Do I have to wait? And so you really start wondering if you're going to be able to lead your way and do work that matters in this organizational culture, right? In some cases, we are the top leader, but we've inherited a few things. This We've walked into something that has already been quite settled. And so again, we start to wonder, did I walk into a place where I'm not even going to be able to lead my way? And so at times it can feel like I'm not, so I need to move on or possibly give up. But I want to help you because you don't have to move on. You don't have to give up. You can actually do the work you need to do, lead your way, challenge those social and cultural norms right here. But first, we have to identify the root causes to these limiting beliefs. 
When you have a team with limiting beliefs, those limiting beliefs stem from various experiences and factors. So it's super critical that as a leader, you identify the root causes to those factors and you address them head on. So here are the nine nitty gritty root causes to your team's limiting beliefs. Number one, lack of confidence. Doubt in their own ability based on their lack of experience or their past failures. This lack of confidence in your team stems from not only their self-doubt, but doubt in the people around them. This lack of confidence also breeds a lack of trust in your leadership and a lack of confidence in you. So here's one example. When I hear teachers specifically say things like, these kids are so low, and I'm quoting, these kids are so low, implying that they are so low, it's almost impossible to improve their performance or get them to a place where they are an equitable standing with their peers. This kind of language is a prime example of teachers who have fear in their own abilities. These are teachers that lack confidence. They are afraid that they don't have the skill set to teach their students and unlock their students' potential. When a teacher says that kids can't, they are really saying, I can't, and unveiling their own lack of confidence. Let's say this is not in a school setting and you're in another kind of organization. Anytime you hear that something can't be done, it's often that because it hasn't been done before or I've never done it, that translates to a lack of confidence. And it screams out, don't leave me behind. Help me if we're going to do this. If we're going to do this, I need you by my side. And that is exactly what needs to happen in order to build that confidence and remove that limiting belief. Number two, fear of failure. So just like lack of confidence, fear of failure literally goes hand in hand. So we all want to do well at what we do. And if we've been in situations where there have been setbacks in the past or we've had experiences of failure with negative consequences alongside of that, it definitely builds limiting beliefs in our future. There has always been a fair level of scrutiny, particularly in the world of education, and now more than ever. However, personally, there's always been this tension for me between being an expert and perfecting your craft and also being flexible to making mistakes while you're in the care of other people's children, <laughs> right? That is always a tension, right? Who wants their wants to have the teacher that's making mistakes on their kid, right? But the truth is a great leader 
fails fast. Whether you're a leader in your building, a leader of an organization, or a leader of your classroom, when you're able to fail fast and learn quickly from your mistakes, you are going to grow exponentially. But something that keeps us from failing fast and growing exponentially is the fear of failure. At the same time, in order for your teams to have less fear of failure, you have to be a leader with a work culture that demonstrates it's okay to fail and that we're in this work together. Sometimes you as a leader are walking into an environment where you too don't feel like failure is an option. And so you can only imagine how the pressure you feel from your board, your community, maybe their state and governmental stakeholders at the table, and all that pressure is trickled down to your team. And then your team feels like they can't fail. That culture of fear of failure breeds all those limiting beliefs. So it's important, know that root cause. If your team is is afraid of failure, how are you contributing to that? And what can you do to alleviate that limiting belief? Number three, lack of support systems. This could look like an absence of mentors or role models. This could also mean being in a highly competitive work culture where everyone works for their own achievements or advancements and not necessarily working as a community with a bigger purpose and vision. I see this a lot, right? Where sometimes a leader's vision isn't big enough And it breeds a culture of competitiveness in a very unhealthy way. So perhaps you're a leader coming into a new organization, wanting to push against the status quo, and you notice your team's limiting beliefs. They may be coming from the fact that your teams are not trusting of one another. They don't believe that there's support around the table. And so this vision that you have is almost disabled at that point in time. These lack of support systems, they also speak to an unhealthy work culture and not having the sufficient training and development in order for your teams to feel like they have all the skills that they need and that the competition is really within self, not against one another. Okay, so what does that ongoing professional learning look like to support your team? And how will your training be job embedded versus another thing that your team has to find time to do and be good at? When you include job embedded training, it gives this sense of understanding that we're all learning at the same time. We're all trying to figure this out so we can lean on one another And that makes us better together. Number four, negative past experiences can contribute to your team's limiting beliefs. So I will say this, prior to starting my company, Truly Pac, I would often be hired to go into environments with constant change in leadership, difficult work cultures, in some cases, prior to uh, the leadership that was now taking over, the workplace was quite toxic and there was a lot of turmoil. And 
my role specifically and the role of the team that I was on would be to transition and turn around these systems in the midst of a lot of chaos and anxiety. So I spent more than a decade doing this work specifically. And in these environments, there are often feelings of mistrust amongst the team, internal politics. These past experiences that you've inherited are still ones that you need to acknowledge and you need to repair in order to move forward. You need to be able to replace that toxicity with better belief and belonging and a new workplace identity. And all of that starts with acknowledging that there have been negative past experiences, that what they've experienced in the past with toxicity and turmoil is real, but you are here to support a new workplace identity. You are here to build their belief and better belonging, but you can't do that by pretending those limiting beliefs are not there. Number five, a fixed mindset. Anyone that has worked with me, they know. When you work with me, we are adopting a growth mindset. Anything is possible with a growth mindset. However, what do you do when you have a team or members on the team with a fixed mindset? It's really not about skill that's the barrier. It's will. You know, when you have members on your team that believe that abilities or intelligence are fixed and it is what it is, it can be a major problem on your team, especially when working in schools where you are working with other people's children and particularly when you are working with children with disabilities, children with limited English language proficiencies, children of color, you know, People working in schools who do not believe that all children can learn are simply bad for schools and communities, period. So if you can't just get rid of them on the spot, what you need to do is, number one, address the fear. Where there's a fixed mindset, there can almost always be a great deal of fear in the way of creating new experiences that then change behavior. And number two, You'll have to start to build in new experiences for your team members with fixed mindsets. Set clear expectations for adult behavior. Look for it frequently and follow up with support. With these action steps, there's bound to be one of two outcomes. First, we'll go on the positive side. You will find that a positive change in behavior, right? Because you've set clear expectations, you've followed up, you've followed through, right? One outcome is that there is a positive change in behavior. And with these new experiences, the fixed mindset can eventually be put to rest. Or the second outcome is you now have a paper trail a mile long because you have set expectations. You've looked for it frequently. You've followed up with coaching and support. And now you have enough coaching sessions under your belt to prove that this is a poor fit. So win, win. But when you have members on your team with fixed mindsets, first start with the fear, then build in new experiences, 
get that paper trail and get them out because where there are fixed mindsets, there's not going to be much innovation to come after that. Number six, external pressures. This one we know all too well. So external pressures are major right now, particularly in America. We have an election year coming up. That's going to breed some external pressures. If you're in schools and you're following any of the initiatives across the state around diversity, equity, inclusion, you know that 36 states are now banning books in schools. You have board members that are feeling the pressure from politically charged groups and parents. You have DEI initiatives that have been put on the back burner. You have young people and gender diversity is often a common headline in the news. I mean, the list goes on and on. And here's what my experiences have been building a business around challenging cultural and social norms since the pandemic, right? So in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder in 2020, right, you have businesses creating equity statements, you have books about race and racism flying off the shelves, you have schools that couldn't get enough of cultural sensitivity training, right? I feel like everyday Americans were pledging their commitment to addressing long-standing racial inequities. It, it felt really revolutionizing how things have changed. Things have really changed, right? Today, at least 36 states have introduced laws to restrict schools from talking about identity or race. That's a big change from what we saw happening during the pandemic, right? You have companies that are walking back their commitments on equity. We already know about the banning books that's happening, not only just in schools, but in public libraries in some cases. You have equity training that has come and gone, right? And so unfortunately, Schools and communities are left really confused about how to pick up the pieces and how to fully prepare our future generations for the social complexities of the world without having a political nightmare on their hands. So the external pressures are great and your team may not know how you will support them in these tough times or more importantly, if you will support them. <laughs> Right. And so if you're a leader that is, is expecting your teams to challenge and push back on political noise that keeps us status quo, you need to make it clear to your teams how you will support them. Right. There's anxiety about their future. And if talking about the hard stuff leads them to wonder if you will have their back or if they will lose their job. One way to eliminate this limiting belief is to just let them know how you will support them, how these external pressures are not going to get to you, how you are here because you are a leader with a world-changing agenda to make this a better place. There's anxiety about their future. And if talking about the hard stuff leads them to wonder if you will have their back or if they will lose their job, one of the first ways you can help eliminate that limiting belief is to just tell them how you are here to support them, how you are here 
to challenge the status quo, how you are here to develop the next generation of thinkers and doers who can respond to multicultural needs and support the global issues we have today and the ones that we will have that we don't even know about, right? You are creating the future right in your backyard. And so let them know, let them know that you're here for them. Otherwise, these external pressures will definitely get to them and lead to their limiting beliefs. It's also important to note that external pressures are not just political or the media or outside in the world. They're also internal, right? Sometimes these external pressures are in the form of high workloads or high caseloads or unrealistic work expectations. And all of this leads to stressful conditions where there's a lack of confidence and limiting beliefs. Number seven, limited vision. Perhaps your team has limiting beliefs because there is an unclear vision or no vision to speak of at all. So I know I started this episode at the top by saying, you're a leader who has a vision, but let's consider that maybe your vision is not as clear as you think it is. I have walked into many organizations where it is unclear what the vision actually is. And this leads to uninspired teams without direction or clarity on where they are going and how they're going to get there. This definitely contributes to limiting beliefs across the community. So you have to get clear on your vision and keep in mind, clarity is kindness and clarity is power. Number eight, lack of recognition. When you can't help your team match their efforts to their outcomes, you lose and so does everybody else. As a leader, you have to help people see their greatness and that comes with recognition. Where there is a lack of recognition, there is also limiting beliefs across the team. When your team members feel undervalued or unappreciated, they lose belief in their work, they eventually lose their purpose, and soon after that, they stop doing the work altogether. Your best team members, the ones you want to replicate, they don't need you to tell them that they are perfect. They just want help in growing and getting better. They want to see you act with fairness and without favoritism. And even if there are no fires at the moment, they still want the feedback. Give them the feedback and ask them for feedback on how you can have a more positive impact on their work. Give shout outs every now and again. I heard from one leader, a school leader, that takes the first 10 minutes of their weekly team meeting to send a positive message or a thank you email to a team member, a student, a colleague, or a parent. I love, love, love this because it sets a structure and a culture in the workplace for recognition and appreciation for what people do to make a difference in their communities. It's genius. You should definitely adopt that practice. Number nine, cultural and organizational factors definitely contribute to limiting beliefs on your team. So this 
is number nine of the nitty gritty root causes to limiting beliefs because it is quite common. Toxic work cultures, internal politics, external politics, putting adults ahead of students in a school setting or overly bureaucratic decision-making in the corporate world, it all stifles creativity and innovation. And it crushes belief in the possibility of positive change. You absolutely are going to see a team with limiting beliefs inside organizations with poor work cultures. What contributes to a poor work culture is a lack of diversity, lack of diverse thinking, diverse ideas, diverse people, and it typically is within work cultures where traditional practices are only working for some. When you are a person of color, for example, and you don't see yourself reflected back to you and your leadership team, or let's say you are the only person of color in leadership and you are expected to carry the burden and the emotional tax of being everything to DEI, this is exactly the toxic kind of work culture that exists and contributes to limiting beliefs. And it pushes your best people out of the jobs that they have once loved. So there you have it, the nitty gritty nine root causes to limiting beliefs on your team. Here's the next step for you. See which ones have a greater impact on your team's behavior and consider using your journal to reflect on the action that you want to take to removing those limiting beliefs. It's a must. You really cannot go any further until you have been able to know what those limiting beliefs are and figure out the action you're going to take to remove them. So there you have it. The nitty gritty nine root causes to limiting beliefs on your team. See which ones have a greater impact on your team's behavior than some others. And consider using your journal to reflect on the action that you want to take to begin removing them. Make a list of the supports that you need as the leader to develop a team that has a greater sense of purpose and better belonging across your community. And then once you have that list of the supports you need, ask for help. Well, that's it for this week. And next week, I'm sharing another transformational story. This time, it's at the organizational level and it's jaw-dropping. Come back for it. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. You could have been anywhere in the world and you chose to be here. I really appreciate you for that. So listen, if you love this episode, make sure to follow so you never miss an episode with me. And if you want to continue the conversation, send me a DM on LinkedIn and we can connect over there. See you next week.